Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Amen. Take your seats. Welcome to church this morning. I want to touch on some things in the Word in the few minutes that we have. I've called this message this morning, The Soldier's Psalm. And of course, I'm referring to Psalm 91. And uh, I want to touch on some things this morning. I've already read that psalm out to you this morning, so I won't uh, reread it again, but it'll probably be on the screen. But there's some things in this psalm, and it was called, I think, appropriately so, the soldier's psalm. And it was called that because many soldiers, when they went to war, when they went to the front lines, Uh, they would draw upon the truth of this psalm in Psalm 91. And it was called uh, called the soldier's psalm. I want to tell you a story that has been recorded, and I think it's worthy of of, uh, repeating it this morning. It was about a Pennsylvania lieutenant who accidentally accidentally discovered, uh, who was discovered by the enemy. While attempting to carry out a mission, he committed his way to the Lord before he went on the commission, but before he had a chance to defend himself, he was shot at point blank in the chest and he dropped to the ground. His buddy who was with him saw what took place and knew that his friend was dead. Later it was discovered that the force of the bullet that had hit his chest had only stunned him. The soldier described that he reached into his chest to feel how bad the wound was, but instead of finding a wound, he pulled out his little Bible out of his pocket. Pulling it out, he found a hole in the cover. The Bible had shielded his heart. The bullet had ripped through the book of Genesis, the book of Exodus, and it kept on going all the way through until it finally stopped at Psalm 91, verse 7. Verse 7 says, A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. The soldier said, I didn't know that God had even promised that kind of protection, but I do now. The soldier's psalm doesn't just apply to those that go to the front lines, that those who wear an army uniform, for those that go to the battlefields. But those words in Psalm 91 are for all of those who have got a mighty and a solid belief in a mighty God. It's a faith that is not the kind of faith that just shows up in good weather. It's the kind of faith and the kind of trust that is not a superficial whatever this is. It's not a closet religion. It's about having a faith that goes deeper and stronger than even the battlefields of life, no matter what what name you want to give your battlefield. It's a faith that's made its choice, that says no turning back. I believe in this mighty God. It's a faith that is central. It is a faith that says that he is not an add-on to my life, that in fact, everything about my life, I will build and construct my life based upon my relationship and my conviction in a mighty God. It's a faith that always goes to the same place, the one place. It's the shelter of the Most High. It's not a faith that comes and goes. It's not a faith that is watered down. It's not a faith that 
is dependent upon how we feel or what's working or not working in your life. It's a faith that out of the abundance of your heart, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress and in Him I will trust. It's a confession that comes from knowing Him and abiding in the Word of God. It's a confession that comes that says this Word is alive, it's active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's a trust that says that when the pestilence comes, when the plagues come, when the viruses come, and that's what everybody's talking about, turn on any news channel you like, you'll hear about it in detail. The other day I turned on the news and I cannot even calculate how many times in an hour I heard the same word. Let the confession of our mouths be this, that surely, surely he will save me from the deadly pestilence, that surely he will cover me with these feathers, that surely under the wings of Almighty God, we will find shelter, we will find a covering and a protection. It's the conditional blessings that are in this psalm. It's not just a handout, it is conditional. This psalm speaks about these conditional blessings and those conditional blessings are if. If you make the Lord, if you make the Most High your dwelling place, He is not an occasional God. He won't honour our casualness. We are to make Him first, foremost and everything. And it goes on to say, because you have made the Lord your dwelling, I will command the angels to guard you wherever you go, wherever you go. That means shopping centres, schools, workplaces, church, out in the, wherever you go, you know, wherever you go in a week, in a day, in a month, I will command the angels to guard you in all of your ways. It's a choice that you and I have made that we have made Him our dwelling place. In other words, we're a people who goes after our God. We don't just sit back and wait and hope it all comes our way. We go after our God. He's calling us. We mentioned last year about God uh, awakening something within us, awakening something on the earth, awakening us as believers. He's calling us away from the fringes. He calls us away from the occasional place where I come and go in and out. And I want you to listen to the benefits of God when you've made God your first and not your last. When you've made Him first and not your occasional. When you've made God your everything and no matter what the climate of life is. He says, because you love me, I will rescue you. I will protect you because you've acknowledged my name. No matter what season of life, we acknowledge His name. When, when it makes sense and it doesn't make sense, we acknowledge His name. I will be with you in trouble. I will deliver you and give you a long life with my salvation. What a list of blessings that just keep coming our way, the benefits of God to us because we've chosen Him, not on our terms, but on His terms. There's a pull right now. There's a pull of God to us to not pull away. But there's also the compelling of God to pull us away from being casual in worship, being casual about even coming to His house. You see, the song of David, the song of decrees of David in Psalm 122 was that he was glad. 
He was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. When Sunday comes around, you ought to get up out of bed and say, I am glad it's Sunday. I am glad because today I'm going to the house of God and I'm gonna worship with other like-minded, like-spirited people that are glad to be in the house of God. I am glad it was a decree of David. It ought to be our decree as well. You see, the pull, the compelling of God is this, that He's drawing us away from our casual. Even as we've been mentioning the last couple of weeks about our offering, our giving, our tithes, coming into the work of God, God is not casual about that. He wrote a book about, and He's mentioned it all the way through Scripture, whether you look in Old Testament or New Testament, He's saying, don't be casual about anything that is related and pertaining to me. Don't be casual when you come into the house of God. This is not just a social gathering. It is our place where we gather to worship this mighty God. He doesn't bless and honour casualness. Malachi chapter 3 talks about our giving, it talks about our tithe, our offerings, our tithes, whole tithes coming into the house of God. Why? So that the work of God can flourish on the earth, so that we are not confined and contained, so we're not bottlenecked, so that the gospel can spread out wherever God gives us influence to take the gospel. The founder of Colgate, every one of us have used Colgate toothpaste and whatever else Colgate makes, but the founder of Colgate, a very, as you know, a very successful company with a very successful founder, the founder of Colgate started his life in extremely poor background. His name is William Colgate. And he was asked one day, how did you become so successful? He said, well, when I came to Christ, I made a contract with God that I would bring 10% of my wage to him and I would ask him to bless what I gave. Despite having very little at the time, I made a contract with God. That's how I became so successful. Quaker's Oats was exactly the same. Kraft Foods was exactly the same. They all, as the book of Malachi tells us, test me in this. Test me in this. They tested God and they found that the promises of God are right. The promise from Malachi chapter 3 verse 10 is that we are to bring, there's that word all again, bring all your worship, bring all your service, bring all of yourself to the things of God, bring all your tithe into the storehouse. Don't be casual about the things of God. He's not a God that just looks at itty bitty bits. He looks at our all, whatever that is to you bring all. He looks at us and he remembers our tithe. And you know, the more you understand about tithing, it is all about worship to him. It is about honour with our God. He remembers your tithe. He remembers your giving and he remembers your offering. He doesn't change from the book of Malachi to the book of Matthew. One book later, he doesn't change. He's an unchanging God from Malachi to Matthew. And when trouble comes financially, according to Psalm 91 and many other scriptures, He is able to deliver you out of that because you have continued to acknowledge His name. You've continued to honour Him, no matter whether your life is in a famine or whether it's in a feast. You continue to acknowledge His name. You weren't a fair weather giver. You weren't a fair weather Christian. You continue to acknowledge His name. 
John Bunyan, who wrote the uh, Pilgrim's Progress, the book that I'm sure we've all heard of. He said, the more I gave, the more I had. God is the keeper of the books. He's the keeper of the records. Malachi is a spiritual principle of living in a harvest. Because God said, I will rebuke. I will rebuke the devourer on your behalf. And sometimes you have to press the mute button on what you're listening to. Sometimes you just got to press that mute button. Just press it and don't entertain it. I am a diligent press the mute button when those ads come on on TV all by one ad, the meerkats. I love compare the market ad. I watch those meerkats. They are the cutest things on planet Earth. Particularly now they're with Dame Edra, whoever her name is. And she calls them possums and they say, we aren't possums, we're meerkats. You know what? The church ought to know who we are. We are the body of Christ. You've got to press the mute button on anything that is not compatible with what the Word of God says, who you are, why you're here, what your future, your destiny is. Press the mute button on the voices that are not compatible with the voice of God and declare out of your mouth, out of the content of your heart, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. And in Him, I will place my trust. The tide of events are able to turn because of my God in heaven. God is looking for compatible voices on the earth. It's not always about what heaven is just saying up there, somewhere, wherever up there is. But God is raising up the voices here on earth that will be compatible with what the voice of heaven is is saying. He removes casual Christianity from us and he brings us into dedication and commitment. And last thought is this, Jesus died for you. He died for us. He died for us. And when that happened, God sent His Son Jesus to declare war on everything that would separate you from Him. Everything that would separate you from a relationship, a living, vibrant, abundant, living relationship with Him. He declared war on the things that have taken our affection or tried to take away our affection from Him. That's why you've got to press the mute button because there's things grabbing for your attention 24-7. 24-7 there's things grabbing for your attention. 24-7 there's things grabbing at your heart. The enemy tries to get you in fear and God says, don't stand in fear, don't stand in timidity, don't stand in uncertainness, for my word causes you to be sure-footed, for you are standing upon the promises of God. Jesus' blood declared war. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it is His. And we get to enjoy the benefits of that. But when you get into a land of blessing and milk and honey and prosperity, he says, do not forget who got you there. Don't forget who gave you the breakthrough. Don't forget who answered your prayer. For you called on him and he did answer. You called on his name and we should never be surprised when an answer comes because he does answer. He does answer. Don't forget who got you there. And this soldier's psalm reminds me that right now the earth, the church particularly, 
is being woken up. We've been sleeping. We've been quiet. We've been silent. We've been, we've carried the Word of God for generation after generation and it matters, the Word that you carry right now. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And just as we close this morning, as I just drop these few words to you today, I feel to go back and sing this song, Shout to the Lord. Because I tell you right now, what's happening is that God is awakening faith within us at the mountains and the situations and the things that have come to rob and to steal and to try to take away your joy, your peace, your health, your security, your sense of future, the things that you've been distracted with to take away your attention. God doesn't just just restore. He's not just a restorer. Well, I lost that and I'm going to get that back. He restores, but he also gives restitution. And God is awakening something within us so that your voice will rise in faith. This thing's going to be given back your way. I had on my heart in the earlier service that so many parents have stood somewhere in a church dedicating their children to the Lord. And in that moment of sincerity and dedication, they prayed for that little one in their arms. And they said, we will create the environment for this child to walk in the ways of God. And it was a prayer that wasn't unlikely. And whoever would have officiated at that service, you had others around about you that gathered in a moment of consecration for that child. And I believe that the floodgates are open. And I believe as our voices rise right now that we are declaring that every child, every son, every daughter that has been held in their parents' arms and they were dedicated on that moment that the floodgates would be open and a mighty move of God would come and they would step into their place of destiny. You know, right now, this is a time where We're on the fringes of revival. We've got our toe in the water. It's like we're we're just getting a little wet with the possibilities. And as others are feeding and feasting upon all the news reels and everything that's coming across, to me they're all indicators and signposts. To me they create moments of opportunity as we rise up in faith that we don't crumble under those things but we begin to declare what God is doing. And what God is doing is opening up our mouths. It's time to speak. I will say, I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my shelter. He is the giver of long life. He is my place of trust. He's able to bless. He's able to honour. He's the name that I acknowledge. And this morning in these last couple of seconds that we have together, I want you to stand to your feet and I want you to sing the words of this song like a prayer and a declaration that I will say, He is my refuge in Jesus' name.